Well, welcome back to the Worship and Technology podcast from Multitracks.com. My name's Christian, and today is actually the last episode of Season 2. In this season, we've had a fantastic collection of guests, fascinating conversations, and today we end with one more great conversation that I trust will bless you and encourage you in your worship leading. Recently, one of my colleagues here at Multitracks.com, Monica, sat down with David Ware from Hillsong Worship. David shared his story of how he first got involved leading worship at Hillsong and talked right through to his songwriting process of Fresh Wind. It's a great conversation full of insight and helpful tips, and I know you'll really enjoy it. So let's jump straight into Monica's conversation with David Ware from Hillsong Worship. Thanks so much for coming on our podcast today. We have David Ware from Hillsong Worship. And just to get started, I'd love to just kind of hear your origin story, how you got involved with the Hillsong creative team and all that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Origin story. Wow. I feel like a marvel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, basically, um, I mean, I grew up in a Christian home, but I really started a relationship with Jesus when I was 17 years old. And joined a local church that wasn't my parents' church because I felt like I just needed to uh, seek God for myself. And for one reason or another, I just felt like I needed to do that journey, just me and God. And so I found a little church community. And that church in about three years became like a Hillsong extension service. Uh, Pastor Brian and my former senior pastor were, were pretty tight. They were friends for a long time. And he felt called on to move to another part of Australia. And Pastor Brian kind of took on the leadership of this particular location. And that's when I kind of met like the crew, you know, um, people like JD and and Jad and Joel and uh, Ben Fielding and people like that who were just amazing. And then, so yeah, I was about 20 years old when our church became part of Hillsong. And I just put my hand up to serve wherever. I think the first place I asked to serve was like in stage managers or something like that. Oh, cool. At a jam conference, which was like a youth conference then. I was also the drummer when okay. I first came. The Hillsong, and I remember drumming my first ever service, and the pastor was like, "Yeah, so you're probably not going to drum anymore." Um, <laughs> but we heard you can carry a tune, so would you mind singing? Sure. And I kind of was like, "Yeah, if that's where the need is, sure." Almost 15 years later, now it's all over done. I love it. I know. Did you think that drumming was more of your expertise than singing, and you're kind of like, "Oh," and then it just came out, or yeah. was it? I was drumming in my dad's church when I was seven or eight years old, just because there was no one else, not because I was that good. Like, get this kid up here. (laughs) Yeah. I first started playing when I was about five. So in my mind, up until that point, I was like a drummer that could kind of sing. Well, God, yeah. When God has a different purpose for your life, it just, it kind of happens, you know? Uh, Definitely. I I always call it the God adventure, you know, like we have our own plans, but if you stick to the God adventure, it looks nothing like what you expect, but somehow turns out far better than you ever imagined. And so um, I'm grateful. In that moment, at least I was obedient. (laughs) I love the God adventure. That's really cool. So I read that, you know, after serving in the creative team and for the youth ministry, you lead a ministry within Hillsong that's dedicated to coming alongside artists in the music industry in Australia with a desire to wake up the city for Jesus. And so I just wanted to ask you about that specific ministry and its kind of unique place within Hillsong and, and also what does wake up the city for Jesus mean to you? Yeah, I think, I mean, the term wake up the city is in Psalm 24 when it talks about open the city gates, um, let the king of glory in. I mean, we all know like the arts and entertainment industry is a very like a dark place, you know, and there's a lot of non-godly influences inside it. 
And I don't know, I just have this passion in my spirit to where, wherever I can help those who are in that industry to just not even just to take some sort of stand or be on some sort of high horse when it comes to their faith, but just to shine the light and just show compassion. One of my favorite scriptures is, you know, the faith, hope, love. It says, you know, these three things remain, faith, hope, love, but the greatest of these is love. And I think that whole chapter in St. Corinthians is basically saying you can do this, you can do that, you can do the other, but without love, you just, it's basically nothing. I love getting alongside people and showing them that love isn't a feeling or love isn't uh, this concept or a philosophy, but love is a person. Mm. And yeah, and it's been really cool to see that some of my friends really winning at the moment in their industry. It's my privilege to kind of pray for them and be in contact with them wherever I can. You always hear love is a verb or love is a choice. And it's not just a feeling that happens to you, but love is a per- person. That's yeah. that's really powerful. So, you know, I feel like we as believers struggle with kind of riding that line between having a global impact and also focusing on kind of your local community. You know, we grow up, we go on these mission trips overseas and stuff when there's problems right next door. And so I know that Hillsong does ride this line really well. Obviously, they're so globally impactful with their music, but it does feel like their mission is is more locally focused. And I just wanted to ask, you know, how do you balance those two goals? Yeah, I mean, like for me, Pastor Brian, just at the beginning of this year, he, as part of our Vision Sunday, one of the things he quoted was in um, Matthew, where Jesus says, um, and you are Peter, and upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's been a revelation of mine for years and everything that I've put my hand up to isn't, hasn't because there's been necessarily music involved or, you know, a stage or a platform or my wife and I, we've intertwined our life in this cause because this is the building of the church and that's what Jesus said he would build. And I think you can never stray from that. I think, you know, as, as much as God has graced us to, as a church to do a lot of things, you know, there's a channel, there's conferences, there's tours and albums and whatever. I, I feel like what has really been our success story hasn't been any of that, but that's been a byproduct of the real success story is that our senior pastors have said, you know, if Jesus said he's going to build the church, well, that's what we're just going to build. Mm-hmm. And that comes first, you know, in every city that we've gone into. I, I think we used to call it a local church with a global expression. And now we've flipped it and said we're a global church with local expression. We're not a big church. We're a small church with a big vision. You know, Whenever you depart from that, that's when it gets a bit tricky. When it becomes Oh, we're a label or when it becomes, oh, we're a TV channel or it becomes we're a touring band, then I, then I think we're in a bit of trouble. But if you say we're a church and we represent what Jesus said he would build, which is not like a label or a brand, or he said, I'm going to build my church. And so uh, I've been able to follow our vision heart and soul because of that. And I feel like that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life is build what Jesus said he would build. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, because... Obviously, Hillsong is so huge, and I'm sure it would be easy to get caught up in the the global impact, but just focusing on that original source. And then, yeah, yeah, if it happens to catch fire, then it does, and that's God. And yeah. And I know that you wear many hats. How do you balance, you know, worship leading, songwriting, and pastoring? You know, how do you kind of prioritize those three things? Yeah, it's difficult. I've got three boys, been married for almost 10 years now. Congrats. Thank you. And so that's, you know, my first ministry. And so just being able to position myself in a way that always allows me to not put that at risk or to any detriment. And then I think, you know, I've always been a fan of conversations. And one of my like go-tos when it comes to leading our team and some of the people on it, I always say, you can have any conversation you want. 
but how you approach conversation says a lot about your heart. And so I've always really thought about that whenever I've been in difficult situations or difficult seasons where I've needed to focus on this a bit more. I've always just had to remind myself, don't be afraid to have that conversation, but just how you have that conversation says a lot about your heart. And I've had really great leaders that have, you know, heard my heart whenever I've had to take off this hat for a little season and put on this one for a bit. This season, uh, because of COVID and things like that, I mean, I've uh, with isolation and different things that have gone on, I've been more focusing on creating music and writing songs just because that's my time has freed me up to do that. I can't necessarily be at live shows with with artists or, you know, there's so many restrictions at the moment that I've been like, okay, so what can I do with my time? And so I've been able to write songs and produce music for people that are writing amazing songs. And, and that's still kept me involved with a lot of what I've been doing. And it's been awesome to be uh, released to do that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's actually a great segue because I, I also read that, you know, Hillsong Worship wants a legacy of songs that both impact individual devotion, but also congregational worship. So when you're writing songs, are you thinking about kind of which purpose the song is for? Or is it something that you kind of realize retroactively when you start singing it and leading it? Yeah, I think you can never really foresee what a song will completely become. When we wrote Fresh Wind last year, it came out of a completely devotional part of my life. Like 2020 was really crazy, but for me, 2019 was, man, I was spinning out of control. Like I had like a death in the family. I had friends that were struggling with suicide. I had one of the busiest years I've ever had. I wasn't really balancing. Like we talked about balance and about different hats because of all those things. I wasn't really balancing things right. And so when it came to January, 2020, I feel like I woke up when um, Pastor Brian was speaking about the winds of the spirit, the four winds, and he kept saying the fragrance of heaven. I was like, I would love that. I would love to have heaven so evident in my life that I could smell it, you know? Mm. And that kind of became a prayer and free worship. And and then we took about nine months to write the whole song between Brooke and Ben Fielding and Maddie Cropper and I. And what started as a personal prayer for me and something that I would freely just sing over our church became this something that was really weighty and, and spoke to the church at Broad. And sometimes you can get a brief and go, this is going to be about communion or this is going to be about you know, healing. If you really listen to God and take it on the God adventure, I think you can always be open to allow God to speak to you. And sometimes you can like get the finished product that you're like, I was aiming for that. And But, you know, his ways are higher, his thoughts are higher. And so we always try and keep in tune with that. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Song can kind of find its way, you know, as you go for sure. Yeah. And that's funny that you mentioned that because I feel the same way. I feel like a lot of people around me in, in 2019 were actually going through a lot of stuff. And I was I was going through stuff. And then 2020, January, we were like, this is our year. You know, we've made it through 2019 and it's going to be great. And then obviously everything happened. And obviously it was so universally heavy. And, you know, there's been a lot of sacrifice and a lot of pain. But I do think it's given people a pause to kind of slow down and reflect on what's important. And yeah, that's really cool that that song came out of just being able to have that time to do that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I watched your um, Hillsong Couch session on YouTube today, and you talk about how your main source of inspiration is always ultimately God and how you see Him work daily in your church. And you use this great phrase, the narrative of the Word of God. And so I wanted to ask what aspect of that narrative is inspiring you most right now? and you know, why is it always the ultimate well from which you draw your creativity from? Yeah. I mean, it sounds real like airy-fairy and really out there, but 
like you're tapping into the source of all creation, you know, and that I feel like that thought, there's so many rabbit holes you can go with that thought and so you can get quite weird, you know, thinking totally. that through. I just have always thought that. And if you look at the pattern of the word of God and his people and there's always this like simple truth that it always returns to, mm. you know, whether it's you are my people or whether it's I will redeem you, I am your saviour. And I mm. think we can often complicate creativity Pastor Robert Ferguson, one of our teaching pastors, says we need a generation that's original. I don't mean in the way that you think of the word original. The true meaning of original means to return something to its original state, to its state of origin. And I thought that was so powerful. Like, I mean, I want to be fresh and relevant 100%. Like, there's so many helpful things that come with that. But then if I strip all of this away, all of who we are as a church and all the cool things we get to do or the cool things I put my hands to that seem to succeed or whatever, and you reduce it all back, if it's not love, I've kind of missed the point. Yeah, and I, and I love that. I love simplifying things and then building off that and going, what is my life about? Because if at the end of my life, someone puts on my tombstone, he was a great singer or a great worship leader, then I think I've missed the point. <laughs> or even a great songwriter. Right. If, if it just said he loved, man, like, awesome. And I, I guess that's where uh, what inspires me these days is just trying to reduce everything back to its original form and go, cool, so what are we saying with this song? And I think that's going to be way more inspiring than any kind of eloquence or articulation or fancy lighting or, you know, crazy melodies or anything like that. I think people, what sticks with people is truth and something that resonates with them. It's so crazy like when you lead worship. I hear worship leaders, and I've been guilty of it, try and almost preach in their leading. And it was just fine, and some people are called to do that. But I find if I can just remind them of what they already know, but I love the response when I ask a congregation, who believes that God is alive and not dead? You know, just mm. I thought of that today. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't worship a dead God. I worship a living God. Yeah, me. That to me is way more potent than preaching for five minutes before a song, you know. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's kind of what's stirring me up and what's getting, you know, my heart thinking and my mind thinking on what my contribution could be to our church, to the songs I write, and to the way I lead. That's awesome. Yeah, because I feel like the lessons that we relearn from God are so simple, and it's just that we forget them. It's not that they're complicated or you know nuanced, and they're just a simple thought. And I was talking to someone about how if you talk to a non-believer, you're like, God spoke to me. You know, it feels a little weird, but you're like, it's not like you know this weird booming voice that happens. It's like no, it's just like a very clear thought comes into my brain that I didn't think. And if you can do that with music, I think that's that's really powerful. If you can do it with business or if you can do it with art, if you can do it yeah. with your marriage, you know, like yeah. it's, it's such a great way to live your life. You know, we, yeah. we think meaning is somehow this intricate thing that we have to chase and discover and take apart and put back together. And I just think it's so much more simpler. I think it's... Yeah. God, I can't, but you can and you did. So just take me on the journey. Well, awesome. I um, I do want to talk about Fresh Wind some more. I do also want to talk about Cornerstone because I know that's a song that you lead. And I watched this recording that y'all had in Sydney. And let me first say that God has blessed you with such a powerful, beautiful voice. Something that I immediately noticed was just how authentic and not performative your worship leading was. It was really kind of refreshing to me. And I just wanted to ask, how do you stay authentic in those moments and give God the glory when you're leading? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot because that's really encouraging. Thank you. 
um, whenever someone says something like that to me, I, you know, obviously you try to figure out, especially back when Cornerstone came out, I was still quite fresh. And I think what I can boil it down to is like, I know me. I know what you might think of me. I can guess. And I know what majority of people, when they see me on platform, what they might think my life looks like. But I know me. And one of those simple things in life that we get wrong so much, but we have to keep heading towards is narrowing down the gap between who I know I really am and who you think I am right now. Mm. If you are actively trying to work on that, I feel like it shows. Yes, there are probably seasons in my life where I haven't been, and it's showing. There's worship leaders. I remember one worship leader, and he was a bit like the cliche guy, like every <laughs> second song was like, ah, oh, glory to God, glory to God. Right. It's a great thing to say you're leading worship, right? Yeah. You want the glory to go to God. Of course. And I just kind of go, hey, man, like, do you read your Bible? (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like, ah, look, I'm struggling with it. And I said, you know, we've got such an awesome opportunity to pass to people, not lead them in songs only. You have, you know, a moment and a privilege and an honor to serve in this way where you can actually think about and meditate on how you're going to lead them and allow God to speak to you with how you you would lead them. In Australia, people have a really good gauge on how real someone is. And I think that's, you know, part of our culture. And, and so, yeah, I think when it comes to authenticity, I think it's an active thing. And I think it always shows. And I've had some really great people to look up to when it comes to that. And then there's also like, I feel like when you've been through stuff, kind of, you can just see that when, when someone sings. I've got a friend called Tulele. He sang a song called Still many years ago. The song basically saved my life, you know. Was it because he was a great singer? Probably. And mm-hmm. he's a Pacific Islander, so he looked like me. So I kind of had that connection. There was the pain in his voice, you know, and in his facial expressions. And it wasn't an intense, I'm over singing. It was like, I think you've seen some stuff. And then getting to know him over these years, I go, bro, you're proper. And we've talked about this many times, you know, narrowing the gap of who you allow people to see you to be and who you actually are. And just mm-hmm. saying, I'm on that journey. Yeah, I, I guess moral of the story is I, I feel like you can perform, but eventually it always shows if you're not the real deal. It's distracting if someone is clearly overperforming or their emotions are clearly put on. It, it's going to take you out of it. And that's the last thing that you want. No. Yeah. So you touched on Freshwind a little bit. That came out in January and we have the master stems on our site on multitracks.com. And we're we're so excited to get it. It's a beautiful song. You, you talked a little bit about the writing process and the inspiration, but I just wanted to ask more about that and just kind of the, you know, why you thought it was an important message for the start of 2021 and, you know, releasing it at the beginning of, of this year. Yeah, it was a wild journey. It was a crazy roller coaster. I think we were in a sisterhood meeting, which is like our weekly Black women's ministry that Pastor Bobby hosts to locally run things. So we're at the Hills campus and all the other locations were doing their thing. And just in worship, you know, just hearing Pastor Brian speak about, the winds of the spirit, the fragrance of heaven. I can't even remember what song we were singing, but in like an instrumental part, I think I was singing, I need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. I just kind of sang that out. And I don't think it sounded anything like how it's ended up, but it kind of stuck in my spirit because that Sunday night we were rehearsing for church and I was leading, popped up in my head again. And so I just start singing something that resembles what people have heard now. I think like you just kind of did something in the rehearsal. So this wasn't even the service. We were just rehearsing. And so the choir started singing along with me. And then we just kind of had this moment in rehearsal that was really pure and really like, oh, this is so, what, what a cool moment. And then we had fun with it, you know, and I was like, pour your spirit out. And I just point yes. to the choir and then they just start repeating it. And it wasn't until we got up into the, um, the 
pre-service prayer meeting, uh, creative pastor Cass Langton ran, and she started speaking about the, you know, the theme of our church, which is basically that. She threw to me and she's like, hey, can you pray for the service? And because I was moved by what she said, I kind of just closed my eyes, hoping it wasn't going to be too weird. And then I just start singing just that line, you know, like we need a fresh wind, fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. And so we just sang it through a few times. In my mind, I'm like, that feels like a prayer to me. That That's a great prayer to pray. So I kind of opened my eyes, hoping that I wasn't taking too much of a gap, you know. You know when someone just like takes the gap too much and you're like, right. So I opened my eyes and there's like a few of us just in tears. And Cash is like, what is that? I was like, oh, we were just we were jamming it in rehearsal and it felt like a cool prayer to pray. So we started singing it. And she goes, you need to sing that tonight. And I was like, there's no way we're singing it tonight. So I'm like, Brooke hasn't heard it. Pastor Robert, who is our like theology teacher, hasn't heard the lyrics. I don't even know if it lines up with scripture correctly. Like, you know. Yeah. And then so she checks really quickly and she tells Maddie Crocker, one of our senior writers, um, hey, Dave's got this really cool chorus. Should he sing it? And he walks up to me and goes, just do it. If we get in trouble, we're going to get in trouble. It'll never see the light of day again kind of thing. Right. Yeah, then we did it. Even then I thought, oh, cool moment. And it wasn't until the following nine months came where it felt like our church, but the church, Big C, was just taking hit after hit, you know. Not only was our definition of worship being redefined because of the pandemic, um, but then just internally with our church, just attacks, you know, and poor decisions from certain people. And and I remember, I think it was about October, November last year, where something had happened pretty significant within our church. And and all I wrote in a text message was, we need a fresh wind. And Brooke said, exactly, like, let's finish it this week. Let's actually get this mm-hmm. done. But then there weren't any really plans to put it out. It was just an idea that we really resonated with and wanted to finish. I think about November, we put the final lyric and melody and structure together. And then as people listened to it, it was kind of like, I think this is something we want to put out. So I was stoked because I'd never written a song for church before and ends up being the first single of this year. But even the week that it came out around the same time as the inauguration, and it was just felt like, wow, like how much of a writing of it and the starting of it and then the releasing of it just lined up with the church needing to realize there's nothing new under the sun that surprises God. We can't find the answer within ourselves. We need a fresh mm-hmm. one. We need the church to smell sweet again. We need God's people to smell beautiful again and to mm-hmm. just permeate heaven. And then in the verses, you know, like it talks about repentance and reigniting the revival embers start to smoldering. And Brooke came up with a lot of that terminology and I just, we fell in love with it. I was like, this is so weighty and so heavy. But in a, in a way, yeah. like, is, you know, you get the beauty of revival because of repentance, because of renewing of our mind. There's like a process, there's a fire that we have to go through to get to being the church that has the fragrance of heaven. And so that's been our prayer. And over the last couple of months, I've gotten countless amounts of videos and like texts of churches that have been singing it, people that it's been ministering to. And, and it's super humbling to know that it just came out of this moment of my own vulnerability saying, God, I need it, <laughs> you know. That's awesome. Yeah, it's such a timely song for right now. And it's cool to hear that story about how the pour your spirit out was kind of a repetitive prayer because that's the part of the song that gets stuck in your head and then just kind of becomes a prayer as you're kind of singing it in your head. And yeah, that's really cool. You know, finally, our you know, our audience is worship teams, musicians, writers, music directors, et cetera. You know, as we wrap up tonight, I just want to ask if there's something that God's been teaching you 
or if there's something you've relearned recently that you'd love to share with them right now? Yeah, I think what's been on my heart mostly is I think we put ourselves under so much pressure. And I think that's why a lot of people walk away from faith because we we can't perform. You know, we're talking about performance and worship leading, but even as Christians, we find ourselves in a performance. My biggest thing for people is the God you know is the God you'll show. If the God you know is a God of performance and ticking the box in religion, that's the God you'll show. That's how you'll react under pressure. But if the God you know is a God of compassion, of love, of correction, of grace, but also of truth and justice, then that's the God that you'll show. And just that thought for me so is such a relief because I go, if I just get closer to God, then how I react in a situation becomes more godly. I feel like I'm doing the right thing. I have this mm-hmm. friend who has this really annoying laugh. and. Um, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm very impressionable around certain settings. And so like if someone has like a very quirky laugh or whatever, after a while I start to just, I pick it up for some reason. It's weird. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and like I'm like, go home and my wife is like, oh, you just laughed like this person. And I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was with them today. And, and that's exactly how it is with Jesus, I feel like. Yeah. The more time you spend with him, the more you become like him, the more you spend time thinking on what he cares about the more you start to care about it. And no one loves humanity more than him. Mm. So we don't have to fake loving humanity. Some of us aren't really there. Some of us have got our own stuff to go through. But if we just keep drawing near to him, the word says that he will draw near to you. Again, that seems such like a simple thing. Follow Jesus, chase God. Like, but man, if we could just do that, how much sweeter would the church smell? How much more fragrant would she be in Jesus' name? Yes. Amen. (laughs) Well, I love that so much, David. I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by this conversation and blessed by fresh wind. And we're so excited to be able to bless the church with it. And we also have the Easter EP on our website as well from Hillsong Worship. And thanks again and, and be well. You too. Thank you for having me, guys. And appreciate all you guys do for the body of Christ. It's awesome to be working with you guys. Well, a huge thank you to Monica for hosting today's conversation with David Ware. And a huge thank you to you for listening to today's episode. If you haven't caught up on any of the previous 12 episodes, let me encourage you to go back and take a listen. There is so much gold in the conversations with all of the guests that have joined us over this season. So we can't wait to see who we get to chat to in season three. Make sure you click subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And until next time, take care and God bless.